the title of the message this morning is, Is There Not a Cause? Now, I'm going to probably say some things that might upset some people this morning, but not deliberately, because I'm going to state where our nation is at. No reserves, no retreats, no regrets. As God gets ready to take the summit to the next level, as God places all of us at another place, Look what it says in Isaiah as we wrap up part four of God of this city. This is what it says. Then when you pray, God will answer. You'll call out for help and I'll say, here I am. Love that. If you get rid of unfair practices, quit blaming victims and quit gossiping about other people's sins. If you're generous with the hungry and start giving yourselves to the down and out, your lives will begin to slow, will begin to glow in the darkness. Your shadowed lives will bathe in sunlight. I will always show you where to go. I'll give you a full life in the emptiest of places. Firm muscles, strong bones. You'll be like a well-watered garden, a gurgling spring that never runs dry. I wish somebody would get excited over this scripture. You'll use the old rubble of past lives to rebuild it, to build the new. Rebuild the foundations from out of your past. You'll be known as those who can fix anything, restore old ruins, rebuild and renovate, and make the community livable again. Come on and praise Him. You may be seated. I want you to look at 1 Samuel chapter 17 as we move into this word. Not going to go long. <laughs> I'm reminded of when David was getting ready to go fight Goliath. This nobody, this unknown kid who would, within a matter of one afternoon, become known to the world. They would begin to sing songs about him. He is not the person I would have picked to fight a giant. In fact, I'll tell you, I would have picked somebody else. Somebody with maybe more outward giftings and more size and more strength. But I love what it says right here. First Samuel 17, looking at verse 8, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out? Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we'll become your subjects, your slaves. But if I overcome him and kill him, you'll become our slaves, our subjects, and you're going to serve us. Then the Philistines said, this day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul, the king, and all the Israelites were dismayed. And the Bible goes on to say, and they were terrified. Immediately they run. David goes and sits down around a campfire. He's sitting in front of an army that has lost hope. An army that can no longer hear the word of the Lord. An army that is being led by a king who God has already done with. God has already said four chapters before, I'm done with you. And suddenly as they're sitting there, David, this kid, this teenager, gets bold. And he begins to ask questions. And the minute he begins to ask questions is the moment, at that very moment, the very ones that should have been on his side rose up against him. And I want you to look what it says in our key scripture for the day, 1 Samuel 17, verse 28 through 29. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here? Now this is the New King James Version. All of you that don't ever think I preach from the King James, this is your moment the new King James, so it's a little newer, like a hundred years newer, but that's it. 
And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? He was being belittled. The minute you get ready to do something big, you better get ready for the belittling to come. And the problem is, most people stop at this moment. Yeah, you're right. I stink. I need to go back and get my little sheep. Watch what goes on to say. Not David. Look at those few sheep in the wilderness. I know your pride and the insolence of your heart. For you've come down to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Say that with me. Is there not a cause? David didn't understand why he was being questioned like this. Can I go ahead and tell you this? Write this down, number one. I don't understand. Bible says in Psalm 53, verse 2, God looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. Anybody that understands. I must admit, I am a simple person. I am a simple man. And I realize at times I don't have all the answers. I understand so much of life situations that there are some things I can't explain. Can I tell you some of the things I don't understand right now in our nation? I don't understand how the president of Mexico can stand on the houses uh, of Congress and rebuke our nation as a hypocrite. What I even don't even understand worse than that is the vice president and the speaker of the house standing up and plotting a man negating our nation. I don't understand that. I don't understand why people are mad at Arizona when they're just living up to what is in the Constitution according to 1952. See, there's a lot of... I may make you mad now. <laughs> I don't understand how we can kill unborn children. I don't understand how abortion can go up for the first time in 18 years in America. Last year, it went up. Maybe we should check our White House. Oh, there I go. When I come back next time, I'll just be oversight. So if you get mad, write your letters to Sean now. See, there's a lot of things I don't understand. And I'm going to preach about that. David could not understand how his brothers could attack him. Maybe he did. Maybe he realized they had been beaten down. Now follow me for a second because there's a lot of things I don't understand. I don't understand why a president keeps apologizing to other nations about our nation. I don't understand how you stand up and tell them how many nukes we have. I don't understand that. There's so much that I don't understand. I can't understand why, 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 why when a nation would ignore God's laws in protecting marriage. I don't understand people being mad at Texas right now for saying creationism is a thought that needs to be in the books. I don't understand how, how California can change the names of their books. No longer can they say snowman, but it's got to be snow person. Yeah, it's stupid, isn't it? So open-minded, their brains have fallen out. See, there's a lot of things I don't understand, and I'm trying to figure it out. I, I don't understand why a city would erect monuments that goes against God's word. I don't understand why our textbooks are being rewritten according to, and, and history is being changed in order to please the populist movement, the progressive populist movement. I don't understand how a nation can ignore, ignore morals and vote with their wallet. I'm sorry, I don't understand. I've tried. I don't understand how a nation can be so divided. I don't understand how people can believe in only part of our Constitution. I don't understand why people can, only, can believe in only part of God's Word. I don't understand why stuff falls off from podium every Sunday morning. I don't understand. See, there's so much that I don't understand. I don't understand how someone can take their own life. 
I don't understand how young girls can think they're ugly and boys are worthless. See, there's things I don't understand. I'm just a simple person. I don't understand why a person can hate another person for the skin color. It, it doesn't register with me. I don't understand why a person could lead a church split, marking their life and their family forever. I don't understand how people can walk passionless. I don't understand when a generation chooses to harm their beautifully and wonderfully made bodies by cutting. I don't understand. I don't, I, I don't understand how we can go through life with no rhyme or reason. I don't understand why MoveOn.org is trying to, to lead a movement to remove the flag of the United States from our schools. See, I don't understand. There's so much that I don't understand that I must give. I, I have to be honest with you. Psalm 73, verse 16. When I tried to understand all of this, it was oppressive to me till I entered the sanctuary of God. I love Asaph because Asaph is a great minister. Then I understood their final destiny. See, I don't understand. Maybe it's, I'm just too simple. I don't understand harming children or raping someone. I don't understand. I don't understand why people feel entitled for what they have not earned and, and why people can try to rewrite the oldest living document. And I'm not talking about the Constitution. I'm talking about God's Word. See, I, I don't understand. I don't understand selfish thinking, thinking or religious mindedness. I don't understand. I don't understand choosing to never catch a vision and living a life of being mundane. See, I don't understand. I don't understand how you can stand around and the presence of God drop into a sanctuary and you cross your arms like you're better than Him. See, I don't understand that. I don't understand how an altar call can be given and you can't bend a knee for five seconds. Don't understand. Don't understand. Don't understand. I don't understand how a father can't be a father. When his baby looks up at him and says, oh, daddy. See, there's so much that I don't understand. And maybe I'm just a simple-minded fool. Maybe my understanding is limited because I've realized that true understanding only comes from reliance upon God. There comes a moment when you begin to say, okay, God, I, I'm not sure where I'm headed, but, but I know you know. And what you've got to understand, look at Psalms 119, verse 27. Can I preach this morning? Now, did you want some little sweet sermon? Because you're not getting it today. Is there not a cause? Help me understand these things inside and out so I can ponder your miracle wonders. My sad life's dilapidated. A falling down barn. Build me up again by your word. Barricade the road that goes nowhere. Grace me with your clear clear revelation. I love the message Bible. I, I choose the true road. Is somewhere. I post your road signs at every curve and corner. I grasp and cling to whatever you tell me. God, don't let me down. I'll run the course you lay out for me if you'll just show me how. My understanding is my cause. See, I've got to move into this. In fact, here's what I do know. I do understand the power of forgiveness. Oh, we're going to hurry now. Stay with me for just a moment. I understand that freedom, the power and the freedom of the cross. I understand that my life is not my own. I understand that every breath that I breathe is a gift from God. I understand that my God doesn't have a personality disorder. I, I love Isaiah 43, and it's Acts 1-8. Jesus basically said the same thing. But uh, Isaiah chapter 43, it, it, it says this. You're my witnesses, declares the Lord. And you're my servant I've chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am He. Before me, no God was formed, nor will, nor will there be one after me. I, even I, am the Lord. Apart from me, there is no Savior. 
I have revealed and saved and proclaimed I and not some foreign God among you. You're my witnesses, declares the Lord, that I am God. Yes, and from ancient days I am he. No one can deliver out of my hand. When I act, who can reverse it? Can I tell you some things? And then I've got some quotes that I I looked up this week that I thought were so good. I'm going to tell you what I do understand. And let me give you some quotes. I understand that time is short. Carl F. Henry, the great missionary, said, The gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. I understand that a vision must have a legacy or it simply becomes a lost idea. I I love what John Keith Falconer said. I have but one candle of life to burn. I would rather burn it out in a land filled with darkness than in a land filled and flooded with light. See, I understand that I'm not my own. C.T. Studd said my favorite statement. Some wish to live within the sound of a chapel bell. I wish to run a rescue mission within a yard of hell. I understand that our decision to go to the nations may hurt people. People don't understand. But pastor, you said you were going to be here. And and God spoke to us about a year and a half ago to slow down and build a foundation. And we did that. And then God, I don't understand why he's making us do this. I don't understand why El Salvador emailed me a couple days ago and and said, would you come in November? We have 6,000 teenagers that need to know the power of God. Would you come and preach for three days to 6,000? I don't understand that. But I understand that God will be there. I love what my favorite missionary, Jim Elliott, said. He's a martyr. In the 1950s, he was trying to reach the Aka Indians of Ecuador. And he said this, He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. I understand I only get one life to be a dad and a husband. I, I, I understand I don't have the right to quit. John Wesley founder of the Methodist movement. John Wesley wrote in his journal one day, I love this, because he understood you can't quit. May 5th, he preached in St. Anne's and was asked not to come back. PM preached at St. John's. Deacon said, get out and stay out. (laughs) I think I've been there. May 12th, AM preached at St. Jude's. Can't go back there. PM preached at St. George's. Got kicked out again. May 19th, AM preached at St. Andrew's. Elders called a special meeting and said, do not return. P.M. preached on the street and got run off. May 26, A.M. preached in a field, got chased by a bull, set loose on me. June 2nd, A.M. preached at the edge of town. Police moved me. P.M. preached in a pasture. 10,000 people got saved. You just got to hang in there. See, I understand. I have no other, no right to take others' dreams. Mark Twain said it best. He said, stay away from people who belittle your dreams. They are small. But only be around those that understand your dreams are big. See, I, I get it. I understand that what was given to me was not free. I understand the propagating of the gospel didn't end with me. There, there are 6.1 billion people in the world. 1.8 billion are under the age of 15. 1 billion between the age of 15 and 24. In other words, 47% of the population is 24 years and younger. I understand that not everyone is called to pay such a high price. I'm reminded of the missionaries that when they would disappear and they would go off into the lands and they would sell off with their belongings, they would pack them in a coffin. Their belongings would be packed. They would take a coffin with them because they knew that was their ride home. Reminded of 
John Dober and David Nitchman who went to the West Indies and sold themselves as slaves so that they could minister to the slaves. I understand that God chooses those who wouldn't have been chosen by others. See, Bob Pierce from World Vision said this. He said, let my heart be broken with the things that breaks God's heart. See, I understand that when God calls you, you have to answer. I get it. Trust me. For six months, up and down, God's speaking to me. My favorite is William Booth, founder of the Salvation Army, greatest youth pastor that ever lived. He said, when he's talking about answering the call of God, this was his response to somebody. Not called, did you say? Not heard the call, I think you should say. Put your ear down to the Bible and hear him bid you go and pull sinners out of the fire of sin. Put your ear down to the burdened, agonized heart of humanity and listen to its pitiful wail for help. Go stand by the gates of hell and hear the damned entreat you to go to their father's house and bid their brothers and sisters and servants and masters not to come here. Then look Christ in the face whose mercy you have professed to obey and tell him whether you will join heart, soul, and body and circumstances in the march to publish his mercy to them. See, I understand that when a person submits the will of the fathers, others will question you. I understand that plaudits, accolades, and promotion must not be the drive of the great. I understand that the call of God is not according to my circumstances. I understand that a church will not grow unless it sows. I, I love what one fellow said. He said, the mark of a great church is not its seating capacity, but its sending capacity. God spoke this to me when I was praying this week. See, I understand that Man cannot emancipate me from what God has ordained for me. Man cannot emancipate you from what God has told you to do. David Livingston, the great missionary, that when they found him in Africa, the dark continent, on his knees, he died praying. And, and his body was fed to the crocodiles and his heart was sent home to his wife. And, but he made this statement, if a commission by an earthly king is considered an honor, how can a commission by a heavenly king be considered a sacrifice? Isn't that powerful? So I understand the cry that's going out from heaven. For some it is a shout. For others it is a whisper. And it is this. Is there not a cause? I have a problem. I must fill you in on this problem that I have. When I go to bed at night, I can hear the screams of a generation. Is there not a cause? Write that down. Reminded when Jesus in John chapter 18 stood before Pilate. Pilate said, what is truth? And then he said, I find no cause to crucify him. NIV, King James Version says, no fault. But the, the word is cause. I find, but see, Pilate didn't get it. I was the cause. Because it is for freedom that Christ set me free. But he bought me with a price. I'm reminded of Psalms 82.3, defend the cause of the weak and fatherless. Psalms 119.154, defend my cause and redeem me. Psalms, uh, Isaiah 1 verse 17, defend the cause of the fatherless. Jeremiah 11 verse 20, for you I have committed my cause. Jeremiah 30 verse 13, there is no one to please your cause, no remedy for your sore, no healing for all your allies have forgotten you. Reminded of Numbers chapter 16. 
The Bible talks about stand between the living and the dead and break the curses. I'm reminded of Genesis where Cain kills Abel. And all of a sudden, the Bible says that God walks up and says, where's your brother at, Cain? And he goes, am I my brother's keeper? And God says, son, his blood is screaming from the ground. I hear the scream. Luke 11 verse 50 says, the blood of all the prophets of the nation should be required of a generation. Is there not a cause? David was standing in front of his brothers. Then he would stand before a king, all at the same time catching a glimpse of his destiny. He took it personal that someone was defiling the God of Israel. He took it personal that his family would become slaves to some filthy Philistines. He took it personal that all the soldiers' training had gone to waste. He took it personal that he had come to see his brothers, and they were not what they had been. They were different. They were hiding. These aren't the gregarious brothers that would tackle and wrestle with him and and go into the barn and jump out and scare him. Now he's looking upon grown men scared of some big mouth giant. And one lone figure would stand up. And it was a kid who would be shunned by his family, laughed at by the giant, and reprimanded by the king. One one kid took it personal. And he became more powerful than the greatest soldiers in the land. God spoke this to my heart this week. I wrote it down. Living in a box, Pat, will only diminish the land that I've called you to possess. I cannot live in a box. When will it become personal? When will we see the cross as a bridge to touch a generation and not some religious symbol to hang on our necks or houses to feel holy. See, God is saying, when will it become personal? Is there not a cause? Let me give you seven things. And I'll I'll share them with you really fast. We'll be done in about five minutes. On this special day, as Karen and I say we're ready to go to another level. We're ready to watch the summit go to another level. To dream with you, to run with you. There's men in this room that I would put my hands in their life. I trust them that much. One's a football coach. Another works with finances. Another trains men to lift. Mother, another cleans up messes. And to those men, I say to you today, is there not a cause? Number one, your cause will find you. Here's David, 1 Samuel 17. Son, come here. It's dad. Take this grain to your brothers. His cause found him. My heart is that the church understands that we're not a social club. What keeps you awake at night? Keith Green said this best. He said, this generation of Christians is responsible for this generation of souls on earth. David has his life interrupted by a giant. The giant had been waiting for 40 days, screaming. No one could hear it. David! Where are you, David? Come out, come out, wherever you are. God's about to awaken you to your mission. Number two. He is the God of the lost causes. In our comfortable little worlds, and maybe you don't have one, but I sure do right now. 
reminded of what it says in Amos chapter 5, verse 13 through 14. Powerful scripture. Never seen it until this week when I was studying. Justice is a lost cause. Evil is epidemic. Decent people throw up their hands. Protest and rebuke are useless. A waste of breath. Seek good and not evil and live. You talk about God, the God of the angel armies, being your best friend. We'll live like it. Maybe it'll happen. Love that. Oh, go ahead and praise him. It's okay to... spirit that's on a generation of death and diminished hope the spirit that is prevailing in the church we must show the hopeless there's hope we must reach out there's a freedom we must rise up for our city our nation and declare that jesus is still in the building he still does miracle he still has the power to set free look at psalms 88 verse 1 god you're my last chance of the day i spend the night on my knees before you that was me late last night and early early this morning Leaned over to Karen at about 5.30. I said, what time is it? She says, I'm awake too. I just went upstairs and began to cry out to God. Put me out. I love this. This is good. Put me on your salvation agenda. Take notes on the trouble I'm in. I've had my fill of trouble. I'm camped on the edge of hell. I'm written off as a lost cause. One more statistic. A hopeless case. God likes lost causes. God likes the ones that you and I would have given up on. Or what do you mean? He's the God who would defend your cause. Bible says in Isaiah 49, maybe, maybe Isaiah was thinking of David when he wrote this. But God says, even if I, even if a giant grips the plunder and a tyrant holds my people prisoner, I am the one who's on your side, defending your cause. Rescuing your children and your enemies. Crazed and desperate will turn on themselves. Killing each other in a frenzy of self-destruction. Then everyone will know that I, God, that I, God, have saved you. I'm the mighty one of Jacob. Psalms 146, he upholds the cause of the oppressed. Number four, write this down. We must allow our cause to diminish our excuses. Jesus removed our excuses. First Corinthians fifteen fifty six. It was sin that made death so frustrating and law code guilt that gave sin its leverage, its destructive power. But now in a single victorious stroke of life, all three sin, guilt, death are gone. The gift of the master, Jesus Christ. Thank God. With all this going for us, my dear, dear friends, stand your ground and don't hold back. Throw yourselves into the work of the master. Confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. No excuses. Let me give you some people that had excuses in the Bible. Noah was a drunk. Abraham was old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Leah, she's ugly. She had him weird eyes. Watch her. Joseph was abused. Moses had a stuttering problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson had long hair and was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. David had an affair and he was a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah preached naked. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. John the Baptist ate bugs. Peter denied Christ. The disciples fell asleep while praying. Martha worried about everything. Mary Magdalene, well, you know what she was. 
The Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul was too religious. Timothy had an ulcer. And Lazarus was dead. But God still used them anyway. No more excuses. Your cause, it'll cost you everything. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bare in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw this only a boy, ruddy, handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beast of the field. That makes for a great day. Reminded of the 15th century, the Catholic Church had begun to preach against, because of an evil pope, the birth and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. A little short Florentine priest named Geronimo Savonarola would stand in the middle of St. Mark's Cathedral preaching the gospel. They warned him, stop preaching about resurrection. He wouldn't do it. Till finally, the Catholic hierarchy came walking down in the middle of a service of St. Mars Cathedral. And they grabbed Hadonimo Savonarola by the back of his hair and they drug him out the door. They took and tied a rope to him and the rope went over a 15-foot pulley. And all day, day and night, they would raise his body up and drop it to the ground. 15 feet, dropping it up, down. And they would scream out, denounce. He said, I will not. Till eventually every bone in his body began to break. Day and night, pulling him up, dropping him on the ground, this little priest. Finally, at night after they would put him on a stretch rock and leave him out, he'd have to stay awake so the animals wouldn't eat him because he had begun to rot. Laying there, full view of God. Finding that he would not renounce what he had preached, they finally took him before the council. And they dragged him out by his hair and they tied him to a tree post. They put kindling at his feet and they caught him on fire. Flames began to leap up to his knees. One of the church leaders stood up and shouted, Savonarola from the church militant and the church triumphant, we excommunicate you. Savonarola took his little broken head and he raised it up. With the very breath he could muster, he preached the most powerful message of his life. And he said, sir, from the church militant, maybe. But sir, for the church.